Hello, and welcome to episode 10 of the It's Our Year podcast. Seems hell of a long time since the last one that we did. And in that great stretch of time, Pink has not released another single, unless the city and Sheffield Wednesday appear to have played about once. Due to COVID and injuries, the fact that none of our players appear to be able to suffer any form of soft tissue trauma, which puts them out to four to six months. I did mention a game that we played once. We played a few, but I'm going to focus on the away game that Leicester had at Manchester City, where me and my father, David, were briefly shown on Match of the Day, celebrating the uh, the goal scored by Adam O'Luckman to make it 4-2. I was providing what would be probably described as a relatively conventional celebration, jumping up and down, which Sam Hutchinson may describe as passion. Whereas David, my father, both arms outstretched, fingers to the full extent pointed out in a sort of bird-like sort of wing motion, mocking the Manchester City fans. Very similar to Benicio Del Toro in the Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas when he gets on the plane, shouting, you come here every week expecting to win, don't you? You've got nothing about you. Anyway, on this week's episode, we've got a fucking journo. But unlike Bother from Green Street, I'm not particularly alarmed by that because this particular journo is not undercover. I've actually welcomed him into my home because I like him and enjoy his company. This particular journo, that'll be the last time I do that, um, is uh, an ex-pundit. He used to um, discuss South African football uh, and currently is the Sheffield star Uh, Sheffield Wednesday correspondent, Joe Cram. Very lovely chap. Uh, We'll be getting his thoughts on the massive and whether he agrees with Ronnie Moore's assessment of his team that they're a group of pigs. Hello. Um, I've I've got Joe Cram with me. How are you doing, Joe? It's been a while, mate. It's been a while. A long while, sir. Yes, because of course, where, where was it that we first started out? Uh, I recall you had hair. I did. Um, yeah. I think marginally. I mean, well, yeah, it was on its way out, wasn't it? It was, yeah. But wore a lot of hats. Yeah. Well, hang on, you've fucking <laughs> got one on now. Yeah, for the same reason. All oh, right, okay. I've seen it, I've seen it before, mate. All oh, right, it okay. Good no, it, we, it was what, 2008, was it? It was, was indeed, we were in yes. Together? We were at college at Norton. We had a great time, didn't we? Yeah, often get snowballed. Not, Gen- not, not in a sexual way. Genuinely, I'm not just saying this to sort of blow smoke up your ass. That you are one of the funniest people I think I've ever met, and I think it's your storytelling ability that does it. Oh, thank you. Like genuinely, I remember being in absolute stitches with me, you, Rob. Who else was with us then? Well, the, please, the ruiner. Oh, the, oh yeah, we, we, the, the man of which we do not speak. No, yeah, leave it, at, leave it at the ruiner, the destroyer. Now, the one video I can remember, of course, was the uh, extensions in his hand with him falling backwards. Yeah. Leave it at that. Um, so, since our days at college, uh, Joe, obviously you went over to um, South Africa, yeah. which we'll come on to shortly. Um, could you just clarify what your current role is? So, I'm currently working as the one of the journalists covering Sheffield Wednesday, mm-hmm. obviously a Wednesday out myself. When the opportunity came up to come and cover my club, I thought, that'll be fun. Yeah, well, that's transpired to be a (laughs) marvellous decision, hasn't it? Got back, got relegated, um, got 12 points deduction, got six six points deduction after that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's been 
It's been great. It's been a lot of fun. So how did that come about then? So obviously, what were they being in South Africa? Did you contact them? Did they contact so you? So the, the job opened up, uh, and I thought I, I saw it, and I just thought, you know, I've been in South Africa for a long time, been there for about a decade, mm -hmm. and I just thought. Be, It'd be nice to cover my team, you know. I, if you'd asked me at sort of 13 years old what I wanted to do for a living, mm -hmm. that would have been what I, I would have told you then. I want to, I want to watch Wednesday for a living. Like if someone had offered to pay me money to cover Sheffield Wednesday, the club right that you love, yeah, yeah. And, and look, there, there is a lot to it when you actually come into the job. There's a lot you, I suppose, you don't really cater for. Um, but like I say, for me, it was always this idea of at least for a period of my life, I wanted to watch Sheffield Wednesday and and you know, apply my expertise is probably a strong word, but apply what I do for a living to the club that I grew up sporting. So yeah, I moved over. The plan was move, uh, you know, move, then possibly my fiance come over afterwards and then the pandemic struck and mm. yeah. I worked for And bulged it up. Yeah, it did. Yeah. I worked from South Africa as effectively Sheffield Wednesday's foreign correspondent for about six months. Cause well, I, so what, what you, so you're just doing it on streams and stuff yeah, and sending reports sat, over base on that? Yeah, sat watching I follow and interviewing Gary Monk on Zoom. All oh, right, you weren't doing goal updates, were you? Because obviously we're bloody 30, 45 seconds after everybody bloody knew. <laughs> yeah, I follow's not as bad as it used to be. Um, All right, it but, was, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, at one point, at one point you'd, be, you'd, be, you'd get a notification on your phone saying that they'd scored five minutes ago and you're like... Yep, still waiting for that. Or was I full of the one that essentially is just sort of a stationary camera that's on yeah, like so the halfway line? Yeah, now it's way better. Like they've actually got like Ooh, it moves and everything. Yeah, that's phenomenal, yeah. isn't it? But yeah, so I was doing it was it was weird. I, I was meant to fly. I think I started the job in April. Mm -hmm. I was meant to fly. I was meant to fly at the at the end of May, I think it was, mm -hmm. and then I had a flight cancelled. Then I had another flight cancelled. I think I got over in September. Oh, bloody hell. Like, I was literally getting flights cancelled once every two or three So weeks. it was a good solid four or five months just watching it yeah. on the iFollow. It was really weird. And, and I never mentioned it either. So, like, we did all... Because, obviously, there was no one going to games. All the games were behind mm -hmm. closed doors as well. Um, so I just kind of... So you, you were doing interviews as well via yeah. Zoom and yeah. such so like? Yeah, I'd be interviewing... That, obviously, at that point, it was Gary Monk. So I don't know if Gary... I never met Gary Monk. No, I did. I lied. I did meet him. I, he was still yeah. there when I, when I got back. But yeah, I didn't meet him for a long time. Oh, bloody hell. It's just, it's always weird. Like, this this whole sort of two-year period, I'm not, that's not sort of a woe-is-me situation, just for, for everybody. It's just been so weird. There's so many things we've had to try and get used to that are just not normal. Well, and very it, peculiar obstructions as, yeah. a, as a sports correspondent, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. And, and it is interesting for me how much I was able to get done. Right. You know, like, how, how little it actually stopped me from doing stuff. Mm-hmm. You know... It's it's not it's not the ideal scenario, but the fact that I was able to do so much from a different country was was interesting. Yeah, and well, t a testament to your hard work as well Thanks. that you're able to do that. Now, obviously, reporting on your hometown club that you've you know supported for for many years is it um, very hard being objective? I don't find the objectivity hard. I find the emotion and the the effects of it difficult. Okay. So I, ways, then. I don't, I don't struggle with like, you know, I don't see tackles and go, that was definitely should have been ours. That, you right. know, that, that aspect of it, I, I don't really struggle with. What I do struggle with is uh, how much it affects my general everyday mood. You know, like I'll, when I watch Wednesday play and they play badly, particularly the, the last few games. Yeah, that's why I'm not so bad. Came home after Plymouth, ready for match of the day. Everything, you know, sorted. It's great. Mm -hmm. um, Sunderland, not so much. 
Five, <laughs> drove five and a half hours to get to Sunderland because there was a big accident on the, I think it was on the A1. Took me five and a half hours to get there. Literally sat down in my seat. The game kicked off. I think 12 minutes in, we were 1-0 down. Lose 5-0. Yeah, you get, got royally rinsed. Yeah, get, get in the car. Direct to two and a half hours back again. And I got home and I was just like, oh, that was a day well spent. Well, when you've, you've had something like that where you've invested a hell of a lot of time, a lot of emotion, like you say, um, is it a struggle? That's where professionalism comes into this, but is it a struggle to sort of scale back the critical nature of your questioning when you're talking to Darren Moore? So, uh, so it's interesting. So with Darren, there's a, there's a lot a lot been said about the journalists, about how we're a little bit too easy on him. Okay. Um, that we don't ask the, the tough questions. That's mm-hmm. what we always get told all the time. But the thing is, for me, you know... I, I think you've always got to try and ask your questions with a level of respect if you're shown respect. Mm-hmm. Um, Get on with him well? Yeah, Darren, he's just, he just plays everything very, very straight. Yeah, I actually did an article on it um, last week because I asked him. We, we just beat Plymouth 4-2. Mm-hmm. Really good performance. We conceded two goals out of nowhere. If we'd scored six or seven, you wouldn't have said it was flattering. No. But his demeanour and everything about Darren was exactly the same as what it was after Sunderland. Um, right. Okay. So, so he doesn't the, fluctuate emotionally. No, he's not. He's not a man that changes a lot. And I think that for his players, that's great. You know, from a journalist's perspective, you know, you want someone who's, who goes gives a bit more potentially. Like Tony Pulis was mad. Like I remember, I think his first his first press conference, Tony Pulis came. He's like, "Geez, we need we need January to come quick." Because <laughs> this lot are absolute shite. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. Um, we were there when P- Pulis was there. Yeah, yeah, that was a crazy few weeks. Well, I'm going to say, any particularly interesting anecdotes in regards of interactions um, with him? There was the Norwich one when, after we we played Norwich away at Carrow Road, um, he, <laughs> he came over to an interview with Radio Sheffield because they do it first. And then me and Dom Arson, the other guy that works for Yorkshire Live, me and Dom are waiting. And you could see just, 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 itching to get away like really mm-hmm. didn't want to talk to us at all and he just kind of he was answering his questions as he was as he was walking off and we're just like oh right okay that's that's that then that's but the best answer, the best one with Pulis the best one with Pulis was the um, the the when he left mm-hmm. the the interview with with uh, Mr. Mr. Chairman oh yes Chancery yeah. yes yeah he went he, safe to say he did not like Tony Pulis now care, care to remind us of any of the the choice no, he, he basically he, no, he just he just he yeah he went he, he went for about half an hour I think just saying sort of what his reasoning why he didn't want to do it he said that Pulis had um, he said Tony had basically refused to come if he didn't sort things out and it, yeah it was it was mad it was mad because so I think he was a little frustrated regarding finances I think wasn't he um, yeah and not being able to bring is, certain the people thing in is, right that was always part of it you know it's not like he got he got there and it was like oh this is a surprise. It was. It, oh, so it's well established, yeah, isn't it? Yeah. Like, what, you know, Wednesday's financial situation is not. Uh, it's not. It's not a, a secret. You know, everyone no. knows where they're at. You know, I wish that was slightly more straight, unlike the manager. <laughs> we, um, yeah, we we we've got still under under transfer restrictions now. So yeah, I noticed there's been another embargo put in. So it's interesting. It's not an embargo. Oh, not it's embargo. A, it's a restriction, and the reason it's different mm-hmm. is because this is not an embargo by the league. From my, what I can understand, it's, a, it's actually a, it's an agreement. So mm-hmm. effectively, because the unpaid wages situation, because of that, they've gone, this is part of the agreement, we'll, um, we'll go from 
there and as part of this agreement to not have points deducted. Mm-hmm. Um, You've had this, this particular yeah, one. So, so this, from what I can understand, this is the last window that will apply. So as of the summer, spend again and can, be good it can to... resume. Oh, excellent. Seven million. Oof. No, Oof. I, I have no idea. I, to be honest, it's interesting with the way the way things have changed over the last couple of years. The Wednesday seems to be a lot a lot more savvy with the money now than they were. What well, then? Adam Reach buys. Yeah, yeah. The uh, who then left on a free, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, Jordan Rhodes was worse. Another quality one, wasn't it? Was it twelve mil? Yeah, I think it was eight million they spent on Jordan Rhodes. Yeah. Because didn't he have a crappy loan spell, but then you had an obligation to purchase anyway? Yeah, well, Wednesday actually really wanted him in. Mm. His dad was working at the club at the time. His dad was goalkeeper coach. All right. And everyone was like, you know, I mean, look, Jordan Rose. Yeah, the, the proven record. Is, yeah, you know, it's it's just one of those where it just didn't work out for whatever reason. Lovely bloke, genuinely, really, really lovely man. Mm-hmm. And it's a shame, you know. It's a shame because you get to when you do this job, you actually get to speak to people, sort of one on one. We did a lot. Through the pandemic, obviously, we did we did stuff in the houses. You know, when you're zooming in and they're sat in the living room, so you're actually speaking when they're in a they're in a comfortable environment for themselves. It's not always in the um, press office at Middle Road and like that. So you you get to speak to these guys when they're you know in the not quite sanitised. Yeah, they're in their natural habitat, and it's it's always really sad when you see players like that. Like I mean, Jordan Rose, we we never spoke to him from his place, but you know, I I remember speaking to. Kadeem Harris from his his house, mm-hmm. Adam Reach, um, not from his house, but we spoke to a lot to quite to Mose Adabajo, and they're, they're just really lovely guys. And when things don't work out, mm-hmm. you know, on a which like, it didn't for yeah. a few of those, did it? From on a, on a human level, you just think it's a shame. It's a, it'd just be really nice if you know the guys that you know were all right, so, fellas, so genuine and, and nice that it worked out for them. Yeah, as opposed to high fiving. Um, opposition players after that didn't, scored. That didn't go down well, that, no. <laughs> no, it didn't, did it? Yeah. And during those, obviously, um, in, in many Zoom meetings that I'd have at work um, with other people in education, you know, they'd put certain items behind themselves to make them be perceived in a certain fashion. Oh, none of that. None of that? No. No, no rubber fists? <laughs> no, no, there was... No, I don't remember any of them doing that. don't remember any of them actually sort of... Uh, Putting anything in the background that you looked at and thought, oh, they... oh look at that. He's... Un- unlike uh, Gareth Ainsworth, who will happily <laughs> have sort of like Led Zepp posters and guitars whilst he wears his, his horrid little sort of shoelace chain with, with a tooth. I think that's just genuinely there. Is it? Doing <laughs> uh, uh, with him. There we go. Uh, yeah, I don't like Wickham because, you know, they should have been relegated or whatever. But there we go. There's me getting cantankerous regarding <laughs> the pandemic. So the other players that you um, feel that you've got a, a very good rapport with in, in the current squad that you enjoy having um, about with it's, it's been really tough. So for, for when I was in South Africa, you know, you're, you're dealing with these people on a weekly basis. You know, I'd go to press days at the ground. You'd see them at the sorry, press days at the training ground. You'd see them at the games. You'd speak to them afterwards. There'd be mixed zones, all that kind of business. Mm-hmm. Now there's none of that. So it's difficult to actually try and build up that mm. that rapport. You know, there's, there's, look, there's players like who you obviously speak to quite a bit who, you know, there'll be a nice little bit of back and forth there and they'll greet you and you see you and stuff like that. I mean, the captain's wicked. Barry Bannon's, he's a, he's a top. Well, I'm glad top you player. spoke about him in a lovely fashion. Yeah. One, of, one of Craigo's favourites. Nice, yeah. 
Baz is he's lovely. He's a really good bloke, and you know you can see when you talk to him, you can feel the sort of you can feel how genuine everything is. He he, he genuinely genuinely cares about this football club. Because um, there were a few instances, weren't they, particularly on social media, which I'm going to come on to shortly, where there were a few people to, uh, who felt that that Bannon was such that he was such a core component that everything was being done around him, which sort of inhibited the team a little bit. Yeah, I think I I just think it's a we have this thing at Wednesday where um and I'm sure a lot of people disagree with me but we have this thing at Wednesday where it's almost like people get punished for being there too long. Um you, mm-hmm. you know you have this sort of one of our own culture that a lot of clubs buy into whereas at Wednesday you do feel like from a, from a, and again this is important to say this is not everybody mm-hmm. but for some people it's almost like well We've not done anything in their entire t- time. You know, they must be the problem. So um, almost loyalty yeah. is um, sort yeah. of besmirched in some, in some ways. Yeah, I think. Look, I think with with Barry, there is an element of Wednesday being too over reliant on him. Yeah. There's absolutely no doubt about that. Because the problem that Wednesday had, and it was the same last season, it probably the last time it wasn't an issue was when Forestieri was there, um, just because of how good he was. But with with Bannon, it was almost like people knew if you stop him, you stop us. Yeah, and, and so there were two or three players on him every yeah. single time. And and then people would say, oh, he's had an horrible game today. It's like, well, what do you expect? He's had two players... He's not had the freedom of space on his ankles it, yeah. for you know, 90 minutes. So I think there is an element of that. And it does feel... It's, it's why, you know, sort of speaking about the club now, mm-hmm. it's why it's so important when Massimo Longo's there. Yeah. Because Luongo offers that sort of that wall... For, for Barry. To enable him then to be a little bit yeah. more creative. Yeah. Now, one particular individual that I know Craig would absolutely want me to mention, who was a very loyal servant uh, for a long time, is uh, Big Dave Nehu. Yeah. What cult, cult hero that he was. Yeah. Uh, any particular fond memories of, of uh, that big uh, lummox? Atty, Atty was... Um, so, so I never actually got to speak to Atty when, I was, when he was at the club. Mm-hmm. He wasn't really one for talking to the media. You know, knew you didn't really talk to the media at all. Very shy. For a guy as big as he was, he was yeah. very shy. Were they, were, they, were they desperate to talk to him? Uh, yeah. I, oh. Yeah, because no, cause he's, he's a character. Like, he's... And he's he was very well-liked, you know. He... As in within the within the club. Camp, yeah. Very, very much split opinion in the fan base. Uh, yeah, that, it was quite a binary uh, Yeah, there, was, there, there wasn't really... You didn't really find many people who were just like, yeah, he's okay. People loved him or they really disliked him and... The dislike for me never really made sense because he, you know, we talk these days in football about we want, we just want people who care, we just want people who are passionate, we just, mm-hmm. we're not bothered how good they are, we just want people who, you know, who give a, give a shit. Mm-hmm. And I mean, he embodied that, you know, he, literally, like he would, he would, yeah, run his bollocks off every time. Um, and so good he played for two nations. Yeah, exactly. Didn't he? He was able to stretch across borders, yeah. wasn't but he, that lad? I did, I did manage to speak to him. After we left, mm-hmm. I managed to track him down. He was playing in Austria. Because um, didn't he go to Cyprus for a bit where yeah. Mick McCarthy was? Yeah, he went to Cyprus. Um, and then I think he's in Austria now. Yeah. He went to Austria. I spoke to him while I was in his car. He, was, uh, he had me on his Bluetooth driving in his car. Oh, did he? Did a little bit of an interview with him there. Yeah, he's just a really nice guy. You know, I did the usual, you know, any chance you're coming back one day, you know, mm-hmm. some fans would like to see you back. And he's like, no. He said, <laughs> he said, um, I really love my time there. I feel like if you go back, that it can ruin that, and uh, yeah. you don't you want to do that. You Read know. his Twitter a few times, maybe, <laughs> unfortunately. Yeah. Which, uh, in a not too subtle 
segue uh, brings me on to social media. Um, so to go back to you asking questions of the manager and then fans coming in and saying, oh, why don't you bloody press him on that type yeah. of thing? Is it... Because obviously in some instances it's very good for um, finding information about the club and all that type of stuff, but can um, social media, have you found it a little bit of a, a poison chalice in regards of interaction? It's a cesspit. Yeah. You know, I, I, the, problem, the problem you have with social media is that it's... It's the same with, you know, I suppose to say, it's, it's like a microcosm society, isn't it? You, you've got with... With Twitter, Twitter, I find particularly bad. Um, it's like we you talked spoke there about sort of binaryism, and it just feels like no one, everyone wants an argument now. You know, it's completely it? tribal. Yeah, there's no like, uh, you know, you you say one thing and you can't mildly believe in that thing. You have to be vehemently behind it, and, committed and, to and, it, and hate what is the other the other side of it. And it's mm. it's tough in in our industry because you know a lot of people. I, th- I think I think what a lot of people want is they want us to get angry. They want us to get angry with managers and players, and they want when things aren't going well, they want us to effectively have a pop at them, and that's not how it works. You know, no. you, there's a, you, we we have to try and build up relationships. Okay, so you're not going to burn your bridges, are you? Yeah, and you also you, you don't get anything out of it. You know, you might put them under pressure, and it's great, and you know the, you might get some interesting answers, but the thing is that you know we speak to the manager you know twice, three times a week, mm. and if we just having a pop at him every time, you know what what are you going to achieve? Every time, the next time you talk to them, they're going to clam up and they're not going to speak to you at all. So it's about trying to find that medium, and we we work very hard at trying to it's sort of the phrasing of our questions and how we ask we ask stuff because mm-hmm. we you know we yeah you've got to be respectful with it, and I think that especially with someone like Darren who is very respectful himself, it would feel it would feel I mean it's not in my character anyway, but it would feel weird to just be like right. Wow, why haven't you done this? Constructed, yeah, almost, it's, yeah. And then I think from yeah, it, from a social media perspective, it's tough because everybody wants to tell everybody else how to do their job, mm-hmm. um, and that's not a sort of a that's not a me thing. That's you know everybody. You know, you see stuff. You know, look at the abuse across politics you know, and the stuff, the stuff referees get. You know, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not. Not by any stretch saying that, that referees are faultless and that there's nothing that they don't make bad decisions, but I mean, when when you're refing a football game and you're getting death threats because you've got an offside call marginally wrong. Yeah, I mean, it's, well, it's, the, nuts, it's it? the unfortunate faceless nature of it, isn't it? And people can just yeah. hide behind these sort of avatars or whatever. So, if you get met with a certain level of pissiness on Twitter, um, what's your course of action? Do you tend to just block or, or do you interact? The, the mute button's good. Yeah, the mute button's good because. Because then, then they can keep shouting and they don't know that you're not seeing it. I quite like the idea. Of oh, so you could you so you can still observe all this sort of oh, cavalcade. No, no of so this. the mute button, the mute button basically means that they don't know that they're blocked. Right. So they can send you all these messages, but they don't show up for you at all. Oh right, okay. So they're literally effectively just speaking into an empty yeah, hole. Yeah, they're shouting to the void, really. Which is pretty much Twitter anyway. Um, yeah, really, yeah. isn't it? Even if without sometimes, the sometimes I block, but I try not to block because I think it's a. Not say it's a coward's way out because I think that's that's extreme, but I think it's it's a bit too permanent, really. Like, to shut down any form. Yeah, of... like for me, I have no issues with people wanting a debate. You know, if someone says I believe this should happen or this should happen, mm-hmm. if I disagree with that, that's fine. You know, I'll have I'm happy to have that discussion. Um, 
when people start getting abusive, that that's just a waste of time because you're not going to get anywhere there. And have you had quite a bit of that? Yeah, it's, it's the thing is, it's not just abusive to me. Mm-hmm. It's stuff that if I see stuff as abusive to other people, I'm just like, well, I don't feel like there's going to be any any discussion to be had here. It's just going to because you've seen the way that they're willing to go. Yeah, and with, with that sort of level of toxicity that you've seen, then has that um, put you off football a little bit? Or, or certainly the, the, the discussion around football. Yeah, yeah. I think that the, the discussion around football has changed drastically. And I think that there's a lot of people who are not as in love with the game as they were. I think, you know, that's for various reasons. I think social media is part of it. I think the... Certain corporate elements. Yeah, the extremism that we deal with now in terms of, you know, like you, something as basic as... you. You post a goal that some random guy in South America scored, and I'll be like, "Well, Messi couldn't do that." What? <laughs> so instantaneously, it's just uh, and then you'll have a reply underneath that going, "Yeah, well, Ronaldo couldn't do it either." I'm like, I just this is just a really good goal. in of itself. Just yeah. appreciate the bloody yeah. goal. Um, and I, yeah, and I think that is it is there is a lot of people that have, I suppose, with every passing year, they I suppose love football a little bit less, uh, and that's really sad. You look at what's happening with. You know, talking about getting the World Cup every two years, yeah, the every two years, and I think with all these kind of things that are made, people are just they're they're just going off it a little bit, and I don't think the pandemic helped because a lot of people will have had season tickets that they've had for forty years, mm-hmm. and then the pandemic hit, they couldn't go, and all of a sudden they realised there's other things to do. You know, they spent a bit more time with their families, and now they're going back. Well, I still want to go watch my team, and I still I'm still a, a fan of my club. Yeah, but. I'm going to pick and choose now. So I'll go every few weeks. You know, I'll take the kids every few weeks because it's, it's an expensive day out football. And I think that a lot of people have... You, you, I don't know if you've seen there's some big, big crowds going to watch Hallam now. Oh, absolutely ridiculous. And, so and like that, 1,100, 1,200. Yeah, and and... There is absolutely no... Um, there's no doubt that's linked. And do you think... I mean, you don't necessarily have to talk about Wednesday explicitly about this, but... Are there things that you've seen maybe there in other clubs that, you, that you've considered to be, particularly in the last few years, that have come across as quite cynical? Because I know that Wednesday got a lot of flack for what they did with their, the radio, where that was sort of suspended, wasn't it? As yeah. the, the club, and then brought in as, a, as an additional mm-hmm. fee when you think there's sort of, you know, 70, 80-year-olds who've followed the club on the radio that entire yeah. time. And then I'm bringing things in like that. Or, yeah, other things you've seen at other clubs where you kind of think, oh, well, this didn't happen, sort of. 10, 11 years ago, in the ground, and it, like, for us, fucking eight clappers. <laughs> eight clappers, and naturally ate a fucking £5.50 pint. Whereas, I can go to Alum, I can, I go, to, I can go to Anne's cabin, yeah. and get chilli and chips for three quid, or a pot noodle. Yeah, for no, a quid. absolutely. I think there is, a, yeah, there, there are, I think there's just a lot. I think it's just a, and this is sort of to try and skip around the question, I, I mm. just think there's so many things that are involved now, that people are frustrated with, you know, it feels like a lot of people feel like they're being taken for granted by their clubs. You know, whether you know whether that's Wednesday, whether it's you know mm. any clubs. Any so more as a customer, clubs. yeah, than a supporter. Yeah, and, and I think that that is. Mm-hmm. It does feel like at Wednesday that Darren has really tried to try and fix that, and it does feel like in many ways Wednesday have made a lot of strides over the last you know year or so. Mm-hmm. A lot of stuff that they've done that's been good. Then there was a big fallout with the season tickets that they you know they were talking about. You know, people having limits as to when they could buy them to get them cheap, and there was a, a big fallout over that. 
and I think it's inevitable. I think there's always there's this disconnect between a lot of clubs and the football fans now that is, yeah, it's just really tough to get round. And 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 it's it's almost like we need a a reset. I suppose. Yeah. And I think that's why you know you've got a lot of people going to Hallam because exactly for that reason, you know, you I went to Hallam the other week. I arrived there an hour before the game. Cost me a fiver. Mm-hmm. I went in. I had several pints. So wash it from the clubhouse. Yeah, if you chose. the clubhouse. Had a few pints in there. Went and stood outside. Watched the game. Had a bit of grub, and then we went back into the clubhouse afterwards. There was no hassle. You know, no one. There's no dickheads around who were trying to make life uncomfortable for anyone else. Mm-hmm. You go. You watch some football, and you know you go on your way. And I just think, consequently, got in at half past three the next morning. But that's a but, oh story. right, okay, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, but it yeah. seems a greater link. I think, or more of a connection. Yeah, yeah um, a more immediate connection between. I think, like the I say, I think for Wednesday, Wednesday are you know there's a lot of stuff that they do that people don't see, and mm-hmm. I think that you know there's um, there's a, there's an element of it where I do think people just like to get angry. I, mm-hmm. I generally think there's an element of that now, and I, you know you've seen sort of the way the world's gone. People do you know they get riled up about about a lot of things that aren't really necessary. Mm-hmm. Um, but that doesn't mean there aren't sort of genuine things that are, yeah. And so, just a last point on Wednesday before we move on to South Africa very briefly, if that's all right. Um, what do you think about? Because Craig loves banding this bloody term around. I don't know if you think it's a bit of an albatross for the club. The massive. It's weird. It's there was a the whole point. Was like you get a lot of players who join and they'd say it first interview. It was almost at a level. Where it's like, are they being told? <laughs> They've like, got to, hey, like, we are. Just when you slip, when you know, when you sign, mate, just slip it into that first line. You know, we want um, people to think we are. It's 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 become like a bit of a running joke now. You know. Oh, well, it's often used against them. Yeah. And I'll happily do it. Yeah. And that's fine. Yeah. Yeah. As as football things go, there are people saying a lot worse than sarcastically saying massive. There are. I'll <laughs> tell you. So when I did an interview with uh, Ronnie Moore, yeah, fairly recently, um, he he opted for pigs. Oh yeah, I mean, fair enough. Yeah, yeah. He 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 loves riling that man on Twitter. <laughs> Bloody good bloke he is. <laughs> so prior to getting to uh, your role at the Sheffield Star Joe, you were in South Africa. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Uh, and what was it that you were doing there? Uh, it was covering the, the entirety of the PSL really, the Premier Soccer League, the South African League system, mainly the Absa Premiership as it was at the time. It's called the DSTV Premiership now, but um, yeah, it was covering. South African football in, in its effectively in its entirety. It's an entirety. Yeah. Oh. Um, did a couple of Afcons. You know, went to CAF Champions League finals, CAF Confederation Cup finals. Yeah, good fun. Any particular sort of high caliber interviews you remember as favourites? Always like interviewing Lucas. Mr. Radebe. Khadebe. Oh, Khadebe. I apologise yeah. yeah. for my Luke, dreadful yeah. enunciation. Nah, he's, he's he's not bad. Um, now nah, Lucas is brilliant. He's just a really that really really nice guy. Um, Enjoys a FIFA game. He does, yeah. I did play FIFA. I don't know how much he plays normally, but I did play him on a, on a bus at a game once. Oh, is that in, you insi- sort of insinuating that you rinsed him? Probably. I don't, oh. I don't, I don't think he's a massive fan. Um, <laughs> I don't think he goes home and plays. He's, uh, he's got a lot better things to do with his time. But no, Lucas, is, Lucas was always great. Um, I did, did quite a few, not South African guys, but I did, uh, did quite a few international players out there. Cesc Fabregas was brilliant. Oh, yeah? Uh, Cesc was great. One of the things that always stuck out with me with Stesk was there was a young lad um, called Lyle Foster who was playing for Monaco at the same time. Okay. South African boy. He was, yeah, he was a teenager at the time. Mm-hmm. And I asked 
Sesk about him. And usually with those things, because you obviously we try and find a South African link, you know, mm-hmm. try and find some kind of link, and they'll kind of pat you off a little bit, and they'll be like, oh yeah, he's a good young player. You might and just go, you fairly might vague far. and yeah. Right. Whereas Sesk like went into detail. He's like, you know, this is what the manager sort of said about him. You know, we've got so and so. I think it was Falcao was out injured at the time, mm-hmm. uh, and he said, you know, with with Falcao out, it's a bit of an opportunity for for Lau to really sort of kick on, and he just. Yeah, it, th- those kind of things really stick out for me with footballers because, you know, it would be very easy for, for them to kind of fob us off and, you know, send us on our way with our little clip. With the uh, usual sort of media yeah, trained yeah. nothingness answer. Um, but yeah, the, I mean, so there's a couple, the guy called um, Stuart Baxter, who um, Stuart was, he's the head coach of Kai Chiefs again now, but mm-hmm. he managed them to um, leave title a few years back. Shoot was always great to talk to. Steve Compella, if do yourself a favour, go onto Twitter or YouTube mm-hmm. and go find some stuff from Steve Compella. Okay. It just, just a, there is there is one. It wasn't my interview. But I was I was there. It's an interview he did um, when asked about an incident that happened, and he went full on, like the philosophy on it was incredible. Oh yes. Um, Any particular snippets? Basically said, um, if you you know if you're having a particularly bad time, you got to look after yourself. Um, if there's a new pair of trainers or new pair of jeans that you want and you can afford to get them, get them. You know, it's it's good for yeah, you. Right. It's good for your own self help. He's an advocate of consumerism. Yeah, well, it was more. I don't think it was particularly about um, get yourself a new pair of Adidas. No, uh, just like you know, look after yourself. Not and, a literal yeah. <laughs> uh, advocation of it. No. Um, so when you were over there as well, as well as doing sort of reporting, you did some punditry as well, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so what do you think goes towards making um, a decent pundit then? What do you feel that you need to have the ability to? Um, so in my opinion, I'll just give very quickly, which I shouldn't do as an interviewer, because that's a really good quality that is. Um, I'd say the antithesis of Steve McManaman. <laughs> I think we've, we, I always feel with the, with the pundits, it's all about having the mix in it. You, it that's why it works so well. Like I, I really like what's got on with, with Mika Richards and Roy, Roy Keane, yeah, it's great. Because I just think that it's Mika Richards is just lovely, mm-hmm. and it it feels like he makes Roy Keane better. Yeah, you know, like he because Roy Keane can't. It, it's almost like he tries to to be a sort of grumpy self, but he can't. Well, there's always just that sort of flicker, yeah. of a grin yeah. when Mike is pissing himself when he's showing um, Roy dancing upon FIFA. Yeah, exactly. But I I think look, you you want you want knowledge. You know, you, you when you listen to a pundit, you want a pundit who knows better than you. Mm-hmm. Whether that's tactically, whether because I, I never consider myself I don't consider myself to be a tactical genius or anything like that. But what I do have is insight. You know, mm-hmm. when I speak to people, I know bits about what's happening with players and at clubs and that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. So mm-hmm. you want you want pundits who've got that insight, and whether that insight is into the personal level or the you know the tactical level, I think that is it, it's about getting that mix, and I think that that's why. Someone like Mika Richards is great because he does find that balance. He obviously knows what he's talking about. You know, he, and he's entertaining. And, and he, yeah, and he's fun to watch. And I think mm. the we 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 I think we get to a point when we sort of overanalyze football, and it's you know you, you'll you'll have a really good game of football, and then the aftermath of it is just horrible. The intricacies of G, like the. Um... What is it, the GX or whatever it is yeah, that's looked into? Yeah, it's, it's, GX. you know, you like, have a game that's, that's brilliant to watch and it's been four goals, but then everything after the game will be about a penalty that wasn't given. Do you know what I mean? I mean? It should like, be about the emotional exactly, side exactly. of 
the the football, yeah. Whereas opposed to, again, in my opinion, Steve McMahon, I'm an under-analyzers. Because <laughs> uh, I can remember just during the pandemic, there was... Um, Started watching games in the Bundesliga, obviously, because they yeah, were all the only yeah. ones, really, that you could get access to. And um, him talking about, bearing in mind, neither team had played for six months, saying, well, neither of these two are in particularly good form. No. Good well, call, I mean, Steve. I mean, he's not wrong. I haven't won in ages. Yeah, good point from Steve. Sorry, I've, under, <laughs> yeah, I've undersold him there. So, talking about your insight and, and sort of knowing things about South Africa, are there any... Particular South African players that you're aware of when you were there that are, that, uh, that you know of now that you think could potentially suit the English game. Um, so there was obviously Percy Tao who came over to Brighton. Um, didn't work out for him at Brighton for whatever reason. He's over in that in, in Egypt with Alafi now. Um, Percy's a proper little footballer. Yeah. You know, Ability-wise, Percy's top top class. Um, there's a lad who has been injured for a long time actually called Lebo Matiba. He plays for Strasbourg. Um, All right. Okay. Now. Yeah. Yeah. And Lebo's a bit of a unit. Uh, I think he could do do quite well in in English. And what football. what position is he? Sorry, he's, he's a striker. striker. Yeah. Uh, I know that at one point there was a couple of English clubs watching him. Uh, like I say, he's had a bad couple of years mm. with uh, with injuries, but Lebo's got the I suppose the kind of physique for it because you you find a lot of South Africans are quite slight. Okay. Yeah. You know, they're, they're not physically big yeah. people. Um, not, not generalising the entire nation, um, <laughs> but, but you know, like South African footballers, slight like, Africa. Yeah, um, you know, yeah, the, the the South African footballers, they they're, they're about pace. You know, they're about skills. Like they've got like ridiculous footwork. Mm-hmm. You know, some of the stuff I've seen. I remember one like called Keegan Dolly who plays for Chiefs now. Um, I played Keegan five aside when he was coming through at Ajax Cape Town, and at one point in the game, he did something and stuck the ball through my legs, and I just. Was dumb. Just, oh, just oh, grabbed him. I grabbed him to the ground. And did I you? said, "What did you just do? Like, I, I need, <laughs> I need you to explain." Because it was to me. you were bewitched. Yeah, I generally, I, I have no idea what he did with his feet to beat me. Um, but yeah, like I say, there's, there's there's an interesting generation of footballers coming through in South Africa now, um, and I think that if it's looked after properly, there could be quite an exciting period coming. Um, but South Africa is South Africa didn't get to Afcon, did they? Yeah, South African football is not known for its uh, its organisation level. So mm. yeah, we'll, we'll we'll have to see on that. That they, they obviously they brought in Hugo Bruce, mm-hmm. um, who won the Afcon with Cameroon not that yeah. long back. So Some pedigree he, then at least he's come in and he's trying to change things a little bit. You you, you look at the the South African national team recently and it's. It's different. It looks very different. The, you know, the old guard have pretty much all been phased out. Uh, so he's, he's obviously trying to try new things. And yeah, there's some, like I say, there's some interesting players. There's a, there's a lad who I really like called Tabocco Mokwena. Mm-hmm. Um, Tebza is a centre midfielder, plays for Supersport United. Uh, he's been interested in from Europe for a while. But Any particular clubs who, who you think it might have a pop? Um, it's tough because it, you, the, with, with, with England, it's almost like, with, with a, I feel like with a lot of South African players, Moving to England is hard because you look at the lower leagues where they would a lot of them would probably need to cut the teeth a little bit. Um, and whether they're willing to give hard, them that time. It's hard to give, yeah, to give them that period. It's almost like they need to go, you know, you look at places that are a bit more technical. So you look at places like, you know, the Netherlands and France and mm-hmm. places like that. Mm-hmm. So it feels like the, that stepping stone needs to, needs to be there a little bit. Yeah, before they maybe come to the Premier yeah. League or whatever. Now, one particular individual who did um, play in England, who I don't know if you've still got a report with, old Sean Bartlett. Yeah, Sean's brilliant. 
Yeah? Yeah. Good fella. Yeah, I actually did an interview with Sean. Um, I got a podcast with uh, Dean Furman that mm-hmm. we've not done nearly enough of because mm-hmm. uh, I got stuck in South Africa for three weeks. You did, indeed. Um, but yeah, I did an interview with, with Sean and Sean's brilliant. Just a really, really nice guy. Got some good stories as well. He was talk, talking to us about when Mandela turned up at his, his, uh, his wedding. Oh, did he? Yeah. And how was Nelson? Big. Really tall man. He was big? Yeah. Was he? So apparently, apparently uh, the way Sean tells it, uh, you got a call in the build-up to his wedding. Uh, Mandela, not himself. Someone called up, called Sean and said, uh, why haven't you invited the president to your wedding? And Sean says, uh, president of what? South Africa. Why, <laughs> why haven't you invited him? He's like, well, first of all, why would I? Uh, like is in a bit uh, of an assumption. Yeah, and secondly, how would he even go about doing that? Yeah. And he's got a paper invite. Yeah, he said, it? Well, uh, yeah, he wants to come to your wedding. So uh yeah, you need to sort that out. So then they had to organise all this sound. Yeah, all this organise all, all this extra security, all this stuff, but they couldn't tell anyone he was coming in case he couldn't come. Like if there was a prior like an engagement that came up that he had to go to, he wasn't gonna go. Uh so he, they organise all this stuff, doesn't tell anybody, like not even his what have to be, don't she don't know. Mm-hmm. And then about fifteen minutes before the wedding was started, Sean says, There's this like clamour outside and his wife's brother says, Oh, she must be here and he's like, It's not her <laughs> He's like, What do you mean? She says, Yeah, it's Madiba. He's her. And so Mandela comes in, he greets everybody, he does his thing. And um apparently he made sure that he came early because he didn't want to take anything away from the bride. That's good of him. So like they're worrying for Sean though, like you said, he, he was trying to sort out cakes. Yeah, and now he's and got bloody a, he's got table a, he's displays. He's got a whole security unit there. Yeah, get a, a few but thousand Sean, quids worth to ensure Sean, that he's Sean's all right. Great. He's also still very good at football, by the way. Is he? Mm-hmm. So he could replicate that magnificent over-the-shoulder volley that he scored against he might, Leicester, which won goal of the season in the early 2000s. He might need a few tries, but I think he's got it in his locker. Yeah, so yeah. a decent player. <laughs> not very good. Now, just, um, just lastly on um, South Africa, how have you found... When you've when you've been reporting over there um, and over here, how have you found the difference in fans, the way that they interact with you? I used to get recognised a lot in South Africa. In South, right, yeah. So firstly, I was working for national a national newspaper, mm-hmm. so that's you know that was one thing. You know, I was I'm regional here, so it's you know it's a very different audience. Mm. Um, so I used to get recognised a lot, but you know. And instead of sort of blowing my own trumpet, I think the reason I got recognised was because there's not a lot of British white guys working in South African football. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't a case of like, oh, is that? It was like, yeah, no, that's him. So I used to get recognised quite a lot going to like shopping centres and stuff like that. It was weird. Um, Any dodgy situations? No, not really. Not really. Not accused of being sort of like a British spy attempting to we, steal we, South African football secrets. Yeah, weirdly, I did get called that at one point. <laughs> it's weird that you said that. I um, Yeah, at one point I did, I, someone said that I'd been sent by the Queen. Sent by the Queen? Yeah. That, that known football insider? Yeah. To, yeah. to, to get what specific information? Though? I don't really know. I actually, I, a long time ago, I should, I'll send it, I'll find a link, but I'll send it through. Yeah. I, I did write a blog post on it, like a sort of, weirdly satirical thing about how I had been sent to South Africa to ruin South African football for the British. <laughs> well, to be fair, in regards of AFCON, you did. Yeah. So well done on that front. Yeah. No, it was a, yeah, it was weird. Like, I had a sort of a, quite a hot and cold relationship with a lot of people. It, it got quite touchy at times. Um, but that's just because of when you cover so many football clubs, mm. 
you know, in South Africa, you've got sort of the big three is Kaiser Chiefs, London Pirates, Mamadou Sundowns. Mm -hmm. If you write something positive about one, you hate the others. If you write something negative about one, you love the other team. You know, so you get like accused of being a bit of a partisan. Yeah, you get accused. Of, I used to get accused of bias all the time. And I'd literally just go around to people saying, I genuinely don't care. <laughs> and and I mean that in the nicest way. Well, a spy would say that. Though. Yeah, of course, yeah. No, I mean that in the nicest way of like, I, I don't have a club there. Mm -hmm. So I was genuinely able to be completely without opinion because... Yeah, completely objective. Yeah, you're not I, I could be objective in because I, if, if, any, if any club in South Africa, it would have been Ajax Cape Town and that's only because I moved to Cape Town first. So they were the first club that I... No, so you have revealed a certain partisan allegiance. Nah, they, oh dear. No, they don't exist anymore. So it's All right, okay, good. I'm glad they folded. <laughs> Another one you ruined. Um, so obviously I know you've got to go because uh, you're off to actually to watch uh, the Wednesday this evening where the yeah, youth side yeah. against Preston. So just very quickly before uh, you get off... Um, because we like talking about sort of favourite and worst, just very quickly, favourite and worst away days with a very brief justification. With, with Wednesday with, or in general? Um, uh, with Wednesday. I'll go with the massive. So my, my favourite and worst away day with Wednesday was Millwall. Oh, yeah. Millwall away, <laughs> it was when Lee Bullen went in net. Oh, bloody uh, hell, yeah. I can, uh, can briefly for, recall that. They, they scored, the goal got disallowed, we went and scored while they were celebrating... I've never felt so hated in a football ground in my entire life. I got asked by the OCS if I wanted to go for a scrap afterwards, and I was like, absolutely not. To join them? Yeah. Uh, I, I, idiot. I had a Stone Island jumper on because I thought it was odd that I bought. I think it was fake. I bought it from the top of the moor from a couple of guys. Oh, no, please, that would be genuine. Um, yeah, definitely. It was either stolen or robbed. One of the two. And then did you have to go through... Because we get in the train, because obviously you've got to go through that Perspex yeah, tunnel, yeah, which yeah, provides... Yeah, that tunnel, it says, like, turn back or die on the wall. And, and all <laughs> yeah. of a sudden you start thinking, oh, I thought I was really big bollocks here getting the train. Maybe I should have come on the fan bus. <laughs> yes. Um, but yeah, so that was, yeah, from a Wednesday perspective, that was great. Um, but also terrifying. For, in, look, Wem Wembley 2016 was bonkers. The whole um, Yeah, the whole playoff thing, Even though yeah. we lost, and I think the reason it was so good was because at the end of it, it generally felt like we didn't expect to be there. Mm -hmm. So at the end of it, you just go, well, ah, that was fun. We had a moment. Yeah, we'll do that again pleasant soon. Um, well, that worked out um, well. Wait, almost. Yeah. Almost, yeah. Anthony Knockhart, I think, was quite instrumental in not letting that happen. Yeah. Good little player, that lad. No, he is a good player, to be fair. Um, but yeah, we like the that, that playoff final was great. I remember being on a train with Lee Peacock. Oh yes, yeah. He just yeah, he, he's not even a Wednesday night, but he obviously got an affiliation from playing there. I and mean, he was me and some mates of mine were sat on a train with Lee Peacock singing on a train. Pleasant chat with Lee Peacock. We're on a train. Oh, yeah. and did he give you a little round of applause? Yeah, no, for that, yeah, he's a good bloke. Uh, yeah, no, that that was a good away day. I've had a, I'd been lucky. I've done some done some good away days Wednesdays over the years. Mm -hmm. Like I say, Millwall's the one that always sticks out for me, just because it was a a varying range of emotions that day. A simultaneous. Best and worst. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Well, thank you very much, Joseph. It's been very lovely to talk to you. Yeah, pleasure. That was rather lovely, wasn't it? Talking to Joe Boy um, about his um, thoughts on the Wednesday and his time, his rather lengthy time in South Africa. That was very good. So, um, in the next few weeks, hopefully we'll be doing a few more podcasts covering um, a higher and lower of footballers' cameos, you know, sort of like, oh, what's that, Dennis Irwin or Marcus Bent, which with any form of logic or rationale should be fairly straightforward. Let me tell you, it isn't. Some players have got a very interesting opinion of how much they should be worth on cameo. I mean, I've bought a couple of late. Fashion who? Not bad for 25 quid. 
Hopefully not giving away too much there. I had him sat in the Fash FC kit. Um, I had one sent to me um, from uh, Mr. Adam French, which let me tell you is an absolutely bang on impersonation there of him, uh, who sent through um, a video from Matt Letissier, um, who with every tweet he sends, he gets rid of a good goal, doesn't he? I think Brexit's a good thing. I also don't think we should be vaccinated. He uh, often shares lots of great opinions, doesn't he, Matthew? So that's going to be one. I'm going to be talking about um, kits as well. Interested to find out uh, what people's favourite kits are, what their worst kits are. Um, Also potentially getting on the bandwagon of um, food at the football. Love looking at food at the football. A uh, lot of the decent stuff at non-league. Certainly no decent stuff at Tramir. My God, that looked like three dog shits in a puddle of piss in their corporate the other week. Absolutely appalling it is. So, um, please give us some feedback on the social media platforms about this particular episode. And um, give us some feedback about the ideas that we're going to be doing in the next couple of weeks. Thank you very much.